Good morning, friends. Uh, this message is being taped a little bit early. I'm headed up to uh, Seward, Nebraska, my hometown, uh, for the uh, homecoming service for my Aunt Gladys, who passed away this last week. Uh, my message today is entitled, Try a Little Kindness, is based on Luke 6.35. Now, last week, as we <clears throat> continued our tour through the Fruit of the Spirit, <clears throat> I talked about equality and short supply, and that's patience. Today we'll look at a quality that appears to be rarer still, especially in recent years, and that's kindness. I guess I'd call it the forgotten virtue. I remember hearing a few years ago a preacher preaching about what's wrong with the church today and why we aren't having the cultural impact we should have and why we aren't winning the lost as we should. And one of his points of contention is that many churches today are preaching a weak and watered-down, wishy-washy message of let's all be nice to one another, as if being nice is somehow the enemy of progress. Now, I want to make something clear here. There is much more to our message than merely, let's be kind. The gospel message is more than that, but it's never less. If you are flowing in the fullness of the Spirit, you will take seriously the call to kindness. I said at the beginning of this series that none of these qualities are optional, but if any quality is treated as optional, it's probably kindness. There are those who will say, if you disagree with me or if you disagree with the majority, if you do something that we consider wrong, that makes you a bad person. We don't have to be nice about it. We see this on display every day in the online world. We see this in discussions about politics and discussions about social issues. But it doesn't end there. I mean, try having a sports-related discussion or fitness-related or a Bible-related. or I mean, you say the wrong thing and the conversation goes south and the comments get personal. If this kind of thing happened only in the online environment, the solution would be simple. Don't go online. But it happens everywhere. It happens in the neighborhood, at work, in church, and at home. We fail at the quality of kindness perhaps more than any other. And yet we live today only because of the kindness of God. And I I can assure you that his kindness to you and me, the kindness he's already lavished on our lives, will forever outweigh any feeble attempt that will be asked that we will be asked to make for the benefit of other people. Today we're going to look at what kindness is, and then we'll consider two questions that you can ask yourself in order to cultivate the quality of kindness on a case-by-case basis. So first of all, let's take a look at the character of kindness. Author Christopher Wright says that the essence of kindness is being thoughtful for others more than for myself in any particular situation. So I guess you could say that kindness is summarized in what we have come to know as the golden rule from Luke 6, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Kindness is rooted deeply in the character of God. We know what kindness is because we have seen it demonstrated through the goodness of God. And I want to call your attention to a Hebrew word that summarizes this attitude. The word is chesed. Sometimes in the Old Testament it is translated love and sometimes it's translated faithful love. Its original meaning is close to mercy and close to compassion. The best translation for hesed is loving kindness, as in, because of thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee, thus I will bless thee while I live. That's from Psalm 63. So when I talk about kindness, I'm not talking about mere politeness. I'm talking about a quality that's representative of love, mercy, tenderness, and compassion. This is how God relates to us. When David wrote, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
The word that is translated mercy here in Psalm 23 is chesed, the same word that's translated loving kindness elsewhere. David is saying, surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. God treats us with the same kind of loving, merciful, compassionate, faithful kindness, even when we don't deserve it. Jesus said something in the Gospel of Luke that I didn't catch for a long time, and today I want to draw your attention specifically to this verse. In what is called the Sermon on the Plain, as opposed to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Luke 6, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Now that part we've heard, that part we're familiar with, and then he says in verse 35, Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. See, Jesus is not merely saying that God is kind to those bad people over there. He would want us to understand that sometimes we fall into this same category. Ungrateful and wicked is a label that we've all worn, and yet God shows us his kindness in spite of it. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, we can easily forget that we weren't all, every one of us, in the same boat as everyone else on the planet. We were sinners separated from God. Our fate was the same as the worst of the worst, but God showed us kindness. Though we did nothing to merit his mercy, he sent his only son into the world to die on the cross for our sins, though that through him we might be saved. So through Jesus, we have received God's mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And even the fact that we have accepted his gift of salvation by the power of the Spirit does not make us better than anyone else because, as Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And that includes you and me. And I'm not diminishing the judgment of God or that we must all own up to the consequences of our actions or choices we make will ultimately determine our eternal destiny. The word of God is clear on this. It is also clear that God is kind even to sinners. And to that I say, thank God. Now, there is a, I'm going to put this in quotations, a church in Kansas that has built quite a reputation for itself celebrating the death of our fallen service people. They show up at their funerals with signs and banners telling everyone that God is angry at this and that, and God hates this group, that group, the other group. In fact, in a news report of a recent protest, I saw a sign from the group that summed up everything they stand for. God hates you. Well, friends, nothing could be further from the truth. That's not the God we encounter in Scripture. That's not the God we see demonstrated through his son, Jesus. I mean, God loves you and the people you don't like and the people you want to hate. And he treats us all with the same measure of loving kindness. Kindness is deeply rooted in the character of God. When you're living a spirit-filled, spirit-controlled life, the same kindness that he's shown you, you will be showing to other people. You'll be willing to do that. Now, in this next section, we're going to consider two qualities you can ask that will help you cultivate the quality of kindness. And the first question is, how would Jesus treat this person in this situation? Many of you might remember the WWJD bracelets everyone used to wear, I don't know, 20 years ago. The initials stand for, what would Jesus do? The idea is that in any situation we should ask, before we act, how Jesus might respond in the same set of circumstances. Now this was always a difficult question for me to answer personally, because in the Gospels, I often find Jesus to be pretty unpredictable. 
An easier question to answer was, what would Jesus not do? Now, I know that he wouldn't be hateful. I know that he wouldn't be condescending. I know that he wouldn't ridicule people. I know that he wouldn't celebrate another person's tragedy or misfortune. I know that even when he had to speak to the cold, hard truth, he would speak in the spirit of mercy, compassion, and yes, kindness. When everyone else claimed to have grounds for putting the adulterous woman to death, Jesus said in John 8, I do not condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Now, do you think it's possible that those whom are so quick to judge might hear the same words from our Savior? How might Jesus respond if he were in this situation, this same set of circumstances? I once heard a pastor tell a story about going to lunch with a celebrity pastor, a man he'd always admired. And he was taken aback by how rude this guy was to the waitress, even going so far as to make a snide remark about her appearance in her, pres- in her presence, uh, telling her that she was wearing way too much makeup. Now, can you imagine Jesus ridiculing a waiter or waitress because they didn't get his iced tea filled on time? Can you imagine him berating an employee for losing a sale or missing a deadline? Can you imagine Jesus trading insult for insult when somebody disagrees? I mean, if you know him, you can imagine no such thing. If you've read the Gospels, you certainly can imagine no such thing. So how would Jesus respond in this situation? When you take time to ask this question, I can assure you that the answer will always move you in the direction of hesed, loving, merciful, compassion, kindness. If this question trips you up, here's another one. How would I treat this person if he or she were Jesus? Now, it's kind of hard to imagine Jesus as a convicted felon or one of those lazy people who refuse to work or uh, want to spend their their life taking handouts from other people or one of those people who can't or won't properly feed or clothe their families. It's hard to imagine Jesus being sick or poor or unkempt. No, Jesus is nothing like that. Jesus is perfect in every way, the ultimate example of integrity. And yet, he said, when he looks at those whom good society would consider to be social rejects, we are to respond to them with the same attitude that we would respond to him. Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's hard to imagine that Jesus would be that annoying neighbor or that rude customer or that arrogant, overly opinionated political know-it-all or that relative that keeps hitting you up for a loan, or that boss who expects far too much, or that employee who wants to do too little. It's hard to imagine him being that person because he's nothing like that person. And yet he said that we are to treat them as we would treat him. There's a story about a woman in England, a commoner, who had just sat down to eat on a dark and stormy night when there was a knock at the door. A tall woman in a large overcoat and hat stood in the doorway asking a simple favor. She said, it's begun to rain. I was wondering if I could borrow an umbrella. I promise I'll return it. The the woman said, yeah, sure, let me get it. Actually, she had two umbrellas. She had an old raggedy umbrella that she'd carried for years. It had a few leaks in it. And she had a brand new umbrella that she'd hardly had a chance to use. So the woman weighed her options and decided to give her guests the older umbrella since she'd probably never see it again anyway. The visitor thanked the woman, went on her way. A few days later, the palace royal guard visited the woman's home to return the umbrella she had loaned to her guest. It turns out the guest knocking on her door was the Queen of England, but she didn't recognize her. 
The woman was a little embarrassed and said to the palace guard, if I had known it was the queen, I would have given her my good umbrella. Of course, that story never actually happened, but it makes a good point because many of us have occasion to say the same thing. You know, if I had known that that bum was Jesus, I, I wouldn't have brushed him off. Or if I had known that waitress was Jesus, I wouldn't have been rude. Or if I had known that person was in need, that was Jesus, I would have done all I could. If I had known it was Jesus staying in the rain, I would have given him the best umbrella. To which Jesus would respond, now you know. In each and every situation, in each and every social encounter, we need to take time to ask, "Is if this person were Jesus himself, how would I respond? I can guarantee you that the answer will take you in a direction of kindness. Now, as I conclude this message, I'm going to list very quickly five areas where we need to get in the habit of practicing kindness each and every day. Now, if you give it some thought, you can probably come up with five or ten more, but these are five areas that I have noticed often lack for a note of kindness. One, conversations with friends and family. You don't have to be mean just because you're related. It's okay to be kind. Two, in every online post and comment. Everything you write online has the potential to be read by hundreds, if not thousands of people, so seek to be kind or say nothing at all. Three, in traffic. I know people who become hostile the minute they get behind the wheel of their car. You don't have to be that way. When people don't drive as perfectly as you do, extend them a little bit of mercy and show a little bit of kindness. Four, when doing business. When dealing with a customer or dealing with a customer service representative, even if they're not doing it exactly right, cut them a little slack and practice kindness. And five, to those who need your help. You can't solve the whole world's problems, and there will be times when people come to you for help and you have to say no because you don't have the resources to say yes. But whether your, whatever your, your response is, you can respond with kindness, not condescension, with mercy and not judgment. Now, these five areas are a good place uh, to start cultivating the habit of kindness. We live in a world where kindness is in short supply. It has become the forgotten virtue. For most, kindness is not the first response, but you can make it your first response. Being kind is not the sign of wishy-washy, weak-kneed religion. It's an evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Paul summed it up this way in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Kindness is rooted in the character of God, and he expects us to take the kindness we have received from him and share it with everyone we know. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.